Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Today we, we start a new series here at Big Valley Grace called Spiritual Rhythms. And you all know what a rhythm is, right? I mean, we all have breakfast in the morning, we have you know lunch at noon, we have dinner at night. That, that's kind of a, a, a rhythm. Probably most of us, you know, go to work on Monday and work through Friday, and then, then we have the weekend off and and maybe we come to church on Saturday night or church on Sunday morning. That, that's, a, that's kind of a rhythm. We, we all have them in our lives. And I think the older you get, you, the, you, they're more ingrained in, in, in your life. But I think um, Joel was on to something when he said, hey, told the teaching team, I, I'd like to do a kind of a mini-series right after Easter on spiritual rhythms. And uh, so in two weeks, Lord willing, uh, we're going to look at um, the, the, the rhythm of rest. And you can't miss that in the scriptures. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at the rhythm of prayer. And tonight we're going to look at the rhythm of reading the scriptures. And to start... I want to I wanna maybe do something a little bit different. I want to I try to encourage you, but I want to go in a different direction. I, th I think sometimes uh, when you've done this as long as I have, you, you, you can do the same kind of messages over and over. And when I began to study for this, it was like, Lord, you're, you're this creative God. There's a thousand shades of green. There's a thousand shades of blue. Please, Lord, let me have a little creativity here as I kind of think about encouraging those of you that might be new in the faith, younger in the faith, or maybe you've walked with God a, 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 a long time, and hopefully when we're done, um, this will make some sense. I want to begin by, by looking at some of the attributes of God. And right now, while you're sitting out there, you know, start, just, just kind of think about some of the great attributes that we, that we know about God. For instance, he's a God of love, right? That's the one everybody likes talking about. In fact, a lot of people think that's the only thing there is to know about God, is that he's a God of love. And he certainly is a God of love. But he's way more than that. He, he, he's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God who heals. He's a God who cares. 
He's, he's all-knowing. He's, he's, he's all-powerful. You know, and, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on about all of these great and wonderful and weighty characteristics uh, uh, about God. But I'm gonna give you one that I'll bet if I would have a mic up here and everybody got to come up and share their favorite attribute of God or characteristic of God, I, I'd bet a lot if I was a gambling guy and I'm not, but if I was, I, I'd bet a lot that nobody would say this. In fact, I, you know, I listen to a lot of you know, sermons and podcasts and read a lot of stuff. I've never really seen it in anything couched this way. But I think it's probably the most important attribute of God. And that is, he's a God of language. He's a God of language. The only reason why we know all of those other attributes is because he's a God of language. Yes, um, general revelation, you know, you look at the stars, the moon, the sun, and, you know, El Capitan and a Gerber daisy, and you can go, whoa! You can look at your hand, your eyeball, and go, wow! There has to be a God. There, there's just no way all of this just happened. There's no way. So, so, so your mind goes, there's got to be a God. There's got to be something out there with just incredible intelligence that put this together. And we might be able to go, man, he's got to be super powerful. He's got to be super creative. I mean, look at all that. But that's about all we would know. That's general revelation. But we also have this thing called specific revelation, which is this. God made sure we had his word. He's a God of language. He spoke to us. In fact, I was kind of thinking about, kind of want to walk through something with, with you here. In Genesis chapter two, we have the, the very first Bible study that's recorded in scripture. It's between God and Adam. Imagine that Bible study. Literally, the first human being ever created and God. Eve hasn't been created yet. And it says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. That was the Bible study. God is speaking and he says to Adam, man, just look around, Adam, as far as the eye can see. It's all yours. You enjoy it. 
I've created it all. But there is one thing I created over here I don't want you to eat from. That tree right there, just stay away from that one. So right here in Genesis 2, we see the first time there's a Bible study and at the Bible study, God is speaking. Then we get to the second Bible study. Now on this one here, I, I'm taking maybe a little bit of liberty. If you disagree with what I'm gonna say next, it, it, it's okay. But the second Bible study, I think happened between Adam and Eve. Because when you get to Genesis chapter three, it says this. The serpent, that's the devil, the demons, uh, the demon was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, now, now, now Eve's been created. So he asked Eve, hey, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And here's what runs through my mind. How did Eve know that? God could have showed up and God could have had a Bible study with her. Could have. I think how Eve knew that was Adam had a Bible study with his wife and said, let me tell you what God has said. Man, everything you see, man, we're, we can enjoy. He's the one who not only created all that, but he created you and I, and, and we're gonna worship him and love. But he did say, Eve, we're not supposed to eat from that tree over there. That's the one we gotta stay away from. No, it doesn't say that in scripture. It doesn't say that Adam and Eve had a Bible study. I'm just one pastor, theologian, who that's what I believe. I believe that's how it happened. But it could be that God you know, showed up and for whatever reason it's, that's not recorded. But it's also not recorded that Adam told her. But somehow she found out, that's my point. Somehow there was another Bible study and she knew what God had verbally told Adam, we do, know, we do know God spoke to Adam. We do, we do know that for a fact. The third thing I wanna bring out here is the fall. So first we have the first Bible study, then we have the second Bible study, and then we have the fall. Adam doesn't obey God's word. In Genesis three and verse six, six it says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. He was right there. Some people want you to think that the man was out, you know, picking berries somewhere while Eve was getting, you know, deceived. He was right there. He was watching the whole thing go down. Right there, the first recorded moment of lack of male leadership. He should have said, honey, put the, put the fruit down there. Okay, why don't you go inside the hut there? 
because I'm going to make a belt out of this serpent. And I don't want you to see it. It's going to be ugly. So just, you just go inside the hut. Let me, I'm going to take care of this. He doesn't do that. Just sits there. Not a whole lot different than 2023. sit around and watch evil happen in our homes, to our families, watching evil being perpetrated on children. Really, really sick. She gave some to her husband who was with her, and I always share this when I talk about this, and I, I, I love talking about Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I, I think they're the most important chapters in the Bible. If you don't get Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the rest of it ain't gonna make any sense. I just have this mental picture of all the angels of heaven gathered around, looking down in that garden. Eve has handed the guy the fruit all these angels had to be thinking to themselves, dude, man, God spoke to you. He told you not to eat. And he's got that thing in his hand. And then there, there are three words that changed everything, right? And he ate. Wow. Those three words literally had a cataclysmic effect on every single human being born after that. The reason why we're all in this church worshiping Jesus is because of those three words. The reason why there's sin and junk and crud and evil being perpetrated all over the planet is because of those three words. The reason why there are tornadoes and you know, tsunamis and whatever. It's all because of those three words. The reason why there's cancers and whatever all that stuff is we deal with, the reason why you're dealing with all the heartache maybe you're dealing with is because of those three words, and he ate. It changed everything. In fact, at that moment, both Adam and Eve, something happened. They recognized that they were naked. Man, they felt ashamed. They felt guilt. Something had happened. There they were in this garden and everything was fantastic and God had set it up in such a way that they would have no worries. Everything would be wonderful. They would worship God and God would take care of them and now they've blown God off and now they're naked. They're ashamed. They feel crummy about their lives. There's guilt and shame. Whatever the purposes were that God had for Adam, which was, you know, to work the garden, tend the garden, were now goofed up, they're messed up. They know that something cataclysmic has happened to them. And Adam and Eve grabbed some fig leaves. <laughs> sewed them together and put them in all the right places. They were hoping to fix the problem. It's the first place that you'll see a man-made religion in scripture. They're trying to make themselves right. If we, if we just cover ourselves, everything will be better. 
That, that, that's the problem. Let's, let, let's fix the problem that our disobedience has, has caused. And you can see them frantically, you know, making sure that they're putting together all the stuff. And then God shows up. And it's the first question God asks. They got their little fig leaves on. God shows up and Adam and Eve are diving into the bushes or hiding behind rocks because their self-righteous attempts to make themselves better didn't work. And God shows up in Genesis 3, verse 8, when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, hey, where are you? And he's not asking them, hey, you know, like, where are you, like, locationally? He's all-knowing. He knows exactly where they're at. It, it, to me, he's kind of asking, he's, he's saying this. Hey, hey, how'd that work out for you guys? You blew me off. You disobeyed me. How'd that work out? How you doing? As they're hiding behind rocks or bushes, trees. He knew what had happened to their lives and their souls and their consciences. He knew exactly what had happened. Where are you? I think that's a great question. You know, you and your spouse could ask each other, you and your kids, your, your small group at your men's table, women's group, CR group. Hey, where are you? You doing okay? And then you get to the cure. God sacrifices an animal. In verse 21 of Genesis 3, it says, then the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. And this is a, a picture of what's gonna come. So man tried to fix the problem, didn't work. And God comes and says, hey, listen, I got some skins for you. Now, the only way you got skins is there's a dead animal somewhere in the garden there's a bunch of blood somewhere in the garden. Some animal has sacrificed his life. Blood has now been shed to temporarily fix this problem that Adam caused by his disobedience. And you can see all through the Old Testament that picture of blood being spilt for the forgiveness of our sin until you get to a cross where the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, is gonna spill his blood. But this time it won't be, you know, for a year or for a season of time, but it will be for all time. So literally in Genesis 3, we, we're already seeing what God's gonna do. And God does it. He does it all. It's an act of grace in Genesis 3. The man and the woman don't deserve any of this. God said, you eat from that tree and you will die. They should have died immediately. As soon as Adam bit into that fruit, he should have just dropped to the ground and been dead. 
but our God's a God of love and a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God of compassion. And so Adam doesn't die immediately. Oh, he's going to die. His disobedience is going to bring death, but he's not going to die immediately. And God says, you know what? In my love and grace and mercy, I'm going to take care of this problem. Your fig leaves ain't going to work. And so he's the one who goes and kills the animal. He's the one who brings them their skins. It's always a work of God. It's never our work. God, God's role in this thing is he forgives. Our role in this thing called life is we sin. <laughs> That's our role. Hey, we got a role. You sin, and God says, I got you covered. Except for not with skins anymore, but with the blood of my son. Now, those are some pretty weighty things to know, right? <laughs> well, the only way we know any of this is because our God is a God of language. We wouldn't know any of it without this. Because we're in America, I got to say this because I know what some of you are thinking. You, you think probably he was speaking to Adam and, you know, with the English language. <laughs> we're the greatest country on the planet. No, we're not. We're a country. I don't know what the language was. I don't know. I don't know. I know that Moses probably wrote it in Hebrew. My point is, is that this we have this because our God is a God of language. And he expects us to use this. He gave it to us. And his expectation is, is that, wow, this would become a, a very important part of our lives. Not just some book that sits on your coffee table and gathers dust or, you know, verse, you know, you, you know one verse and you know, I got one memorized and that, that's it. No, this, this, is, this has to be a rhythm in our lives. In Acts chapter 17, it says this. Now the Bereans were more noble character than the uh, Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So they didn't have the New Testament back then. So Paul would come apparently and he would he'd preach the word and probably used a lot of Old Testament you know, verses and what they would do is they would listen and not that they thought Paul was gonna lead them astray or whatever, but you know what they did? They took the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and they would say, okay, our God, who's a God of language, let, let, let's make sure this Paul guy isn't tricking us. Or he's not leading us in some crazy direction. One of the things that Pastor Lonnie, myself, our senior pastor, Joel, I'll tell you, what we long for is that you're like the Brians. 
that we'll, we'll preach our guts out and we'll study and we'll do all that. And it's okay if you go home and say, hey, and I wanna be like the Bereans here. I just wanna make sure that what I'm being taught is accurate. Not that, it, not that we'd wanna lead you astray. I guarantee you, Lonnie and I and Pastor Joel never would on purpose lead anybody astray. But you know, we're human beings. <laughs> hey, I've been here a long time. There's a, quite a few sermons I wish I could give back. You know what I'm saying? Especially when I was a youth guy. I mean, you learn, you grow, you mature. You go, oh man, I didn't have that all right. You know, whatever. <laughs> now, we were gonna show you a video last week, but they decided and it really works better this week. It's kind of weird, because I'm in it. <laughs> That's what makes it weird. Um, but this is like unbelievable. And so go ahead and show that video right now. Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Rick Countryman. This is my friend, Katie Fuentes. We oversee and give leadership to our REACH department here at Big Valley Grace, which is our missions department. And we wanna give you an update. Katie's gonna tell you something in just a moment. It's gonna blow your mind. Uh, but before she shares it, I gotta kinda lay a little bit of a foundation, okay? It was about six months ago, we started this whole Built to Last campaign where we need to build a new building where we can disciple and reach young people. And it was decided by our senior pastor, Joel Boone, that 10% of everything that came in was going to go to global mission. And so since January, January 1, to really last weekend or so, almost a million dollars has come in. And so Pastor Joel said, hey, there's about $100,000 that we want the two of you um, to you know, give us a recommendation on what we might do with that money. And so, hey, we had a recommendation. They approved it. And Katie, tell everybody what it is. Because of the generosity of the Big Valley Grace Church family, we are able to contribute to the Built to Last project globally. So we called one of our partners, which is Wycliffe Associates, and they do Bible translation. They gave us a project, and we get to be a part of 35 language groups that currently do not have the Bible in their own heart language. And so the money that goes towards that will help to equip them to translate the Bible in those areas of Southeast Asia. There's 240 different language groups right now that do not have the Bible in their language. And we get to subtract 35 of those languages right now. And so it could be 50,000 people, it could be 100,000 people in each one of these language groups. But what we're really shooting for, 193 million people in this specific area in Southeast Asia, they do not know Jesus Christ. So because of what we are doing here at Big Valley Grace, we also get to be a part of the mandate that Jesus has given to us in Matthew 28 to complete the Great Commission. To think that there are still people groups that do not have the Word of God, and now we as a church, we're gonna be able to give the money to Wycliffe so that they can send the translators out so that people will be able to read the Word of God in their own language, and so we just wanna say thank you. Yes. And now what? Well, we need to pray. We just need to pray that as this money gets to Wycliffe and they send out the people and they start translating the Word, we just need to pray for them and the people that 
those Bibles will end up in their hands because we know that the Word of God is more powerful than any two-edged sword, and God's going to use it. So listen, thank you again, and blessings, everybody. Thank you. Is that crazy? Is that crazy or what? Man, I um, just thinking back on the campaign, and our pastor just nailed it, led with such integrity through that. And literally, the generosity of, of all of you, a million dollars has already come in, a million. There are people saying it'll never happen, a million dollars. And we were able to take 100 grand and give it to Wycliffe. Because there's all these people groups out there I got, I don't know, I'll bet I got 15 of these at home. I probably got more Bibles at home, just sitting around. We probably got 100 of them sitting in the altar room. If you don't own a Bible, you could download, I don't know, 40 versions of it literally in 20 seconds on your phone right now. But there are people who do not have the word of God because, hey, they don't even have a language that's recordable. So when a preacher comes and starts talking about Jesus, they can't be the Brians, can they? It's impossible for them to be the Brians because they don't have the word of God to go, huh, I wonder if the, what that guy's telling me is the truth. They can't even read about Jesus. And to think, they couldn't even dream about having a spiritual rhythm of getting into the word of God. But because of you, at least 35 people groups, it could be millions and millions of people are gonna end up with the word of God. And those people, I would never have to show up and say, hey, I want to encourage you to have a spiritual rhythm of getting into the word. <laughs> they'll weep when they get this thing. They'll, they'll weep, they'll treasure this. They will read it. It'll become a precious jewel to them. And I'm just super grateful. I know Pastor Joel is super grateful for all of your generosity. Psalms 119 says this, your word, King David said, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I remember at Big Valley Grace, when I made a promise to God, God, I'm gonna become one of your followers. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna become a Christian. I'm giving my life to you. And in essence, what I was saying is, God, I'm gonna follow your word. I'm gonna follow your word. And you know, over 40 years, every now and again, I gotta go, hey God, hey listen, <laughs> hey, I'm re-upping here. I, I, I'm re-upping, I'm gonna follow your word, I'm gonna obey you, God. 
But King David says, it's the word, this for us Christians, because our, our God is a God of language, th this is what guides our path, it's this. The truth of this, not, not your feelings. I, I got feelings. I have a feeling every, every nanosecond. I'm glad I have feelings. God gave me feelings. I, I love my feelings. There's nothing wrong with feelings. I got them. But I don't let my feelings guide my life. As I often tell you, your feelings don't have any IQ. You can't educate your feelings. You cannot do it. And most of the time, our feelings are pretty much irrational. We have to go to a higher place. We can't just let our feelings just lead us and guide us. We, God gave us these things called brains. They're, they're unbelievable. And God wants us to get, go, no, no, I, I gave you those feelings. But no, 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 no. Don't act on that. Get here. Let this be the thing that guides you. And oftentimes when this is guiding you, you won't feel good about it. God, when you follow him, he is gonna call you to some hard things. Things that you won't feel good about. Things that you'll wrestle around with. Oh boy, if I really, God, man, I'm not gonna be invited to all the cool parties anymore. I'm gonna be called a bigot. I'm gonna be called a racist. I'm gonna be called a homophobe. I'm gonna be called, well, whatever. I don't know what they're gonna, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna call you. I, I can't be, God, please. Why did you write that? Well, he's a God of language, and so here it is. And frankly, I can just tell you, Especially here in America, <laughs> you know, I just, I just, Lonnie and I, we could rattle off of so many people who we know just went, I'm done. <laughs> just, now they'll tell you they're a Christian, I suppose, but nah, the pleasures of this life, the pleasures of what I do, they're just too, they're just too important. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go down that road. It's not worth it. I get it. But this is the thing that, that, that's our, that lights our path. This is like our flashlight. Imagine when that was written 3,000 years ago. They didn't have lampposts. <laughs> you know, click on your lights in your house. You had a little tiny lamp. And all it would show you is about a foot in front of you. That's about it. So at night, you would do this. And it just gave you enough light so you knew what the next step was, which is interesting, isn't it? Because that's what the scriptures do. They give you enough, you, you, God, you didn't tell you what's out there too far. Peter had no idea as he was following the Lord, he's gonna end up dead. He didn't know. James, he, he didn't know. John didn't know he was gonna end up in boiling oil. He didn't know. He just knew enough. He just followed God enough. And if it led to being boiled in oil, like 
I guess. But I made a claim that I'm a follower of Jesus. And the only way you can follow Jesus is to follow what he has taught us. In Hebrews 4, I mentioned it in the video, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inner thoughts and desires. Man, it's alive and powerful. Some of your Bibles say it's, it's effective. It's effective to do what? It's powerful to do what? <laughs> Turn you into the man or the woman of God that he wants you to be. Jesus kind of makes the definitive statement here in Matthew 4. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, he's a God of language. This is what we as believers, this is what we live on. God wants you to have a rhythm of being in the word. This is what we live on. And I'll end here quickly with just a few practical things, okay? Most of you know these things anyway. You gotta just read the word, right? You just have to read it. That's just kind of where it starts. I love to just read it. Just read it. I just, just read it. Or I'll listen to it on my podcast. Just listen to the word as I walk every morning. I'm not, I don't have a pencil in my hand. I'm not, I'm not trying to study it. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just reading it, enjoying it. And yeah, I'll read things and go, I don't even know what that means, man. But right now I'm just reading it, just enjoying it. That's all I'm doing. But then obviously you, 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 have, to, you have to study it at some point. You gotta pull out the number two pencil, if you will, and you gotta pull out the yellow sheet of paper and go, okay, hold on here. And you're reading something and all of a sudden you, you, you stop. And you go, whoa, hold on here. What, what does that mean? I don't understand that. Or maybe you're in a Bible study with some people and you're studying the word. That's, that's the next one if you wanna write it down, study the word. And just because you, you study, you may not get the answer. There's a whole lot of things in the Bible you're, you're not gonna get the answer to. But let me just tell you something. In the culture we live in today, let me tell you what too many men are doing, too many women are doing, in my opinion, Christian people. Something happens and, man, they can tell you about feelings. I have a Bible study with some men and these are top of the line men in our community. And every week, I send them a, an article from the New York Times, the LA Times, the Huffington Post, it could be from the Modesto Bee, and the whole point of it is you're gonna come and we're gonna talk about how our faith intersects this article. And boy, I'll tell you what, a lot of feelings may happen, but it's okay, we get those out of the way. Now, what would the Bible have to say about this thing that just happened in our culture? 
What would the Bible say about this thing? How should we as Christians respond to this or whatever? And these men over the last four or five years, I want you to know something. They'll see something, they'll read something, they'll get past their feelings. <laughs> Saying a lot of unintelligible things that just aren't biblical. And now they're able to go, okay. They'll look at scripture, they'll come with scripture and they'll say, you know, the prophet Jeremiah said this, or Jesus said that. And that's all because they studied the word in a practical sense. Then you gotta just meditate on it. And, and I, I, that's the funnest thing I do. I love reading it, I love studying it, you know, but I love to meditate. I love it when I, I run across something and I go, wow, that's weird. And I just think about it. I've gone on three mile walks where all I can think about is this one little phrase and it takes me a little, about an hour to walk three miles and I can't get that one little phrase out of my mind. Man, God, why'd, why'd you say that? How does that work with all that's happening in our culture today? I got a lot of people yapping at me, telling me their opinions on all kinds of stuff. And some of them are Christian people and they're just, they're just, they're just, I don't even like listening to them too anymore. They're not even using their brains. They're not even thinking. They're not even thinking. Meditating on the word. And then you got to memorize it. And I'll tell you, I don't do this very well. If somebody could come and tell me a joke. I'll know. You just told it to me one time and I got it down pat. You know? The word is just difficult, and part of that's just because of my flesh. You got a flesh, and it doesn't like the word. It doesn't like spiritual things, and it's just hard. My wife is putting memory verses on our refrigerator now. And, yeah, encouraging us to memorize the same verses. So every time I, there it is. <laughs> you picked a long one, honey. What about Jesus wept? Can we do that one next? You know, it's just weird. It's just, it's not easy. But most importantly, and I believe this, you gotta do what the words of God tell you to do. James said, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Let me tell you. Let me take you all the way back to the garden. Let me take you back to where we began. God said, don't eat from that one. I'm gonna uh, take a leap of faith here and just kind of think that Adam probably thought about it. Every time he walked by that tree, huh, I'm not supposed to eat from that one. He was meditated on it, in other words. He may have done some study. Huh. Huh. I wonder what it is about that tree. What it is about that fruit? I mean, look at all these other trees. They're kind of cool. Is there something about that tree? Maybe he did a little bit of study. I don't know. But I got the feeling he did. He, he heard the word. I, I got to believe he studied it, meditated on it. I, he had to memorize it I, I, because I believe he's the one who told Eve about it. So he knew it. <laughs> and 
He ate. You see, the problem was he didn't do it. He didn't live it out. It was good that God told him. It was good that he knew. The problem was he didn't do it. And Lonnie and I have known some really, really good men, like really godly men, people who, who have, well, they know the scripture better than I will, had more verses memorized than I do, could preach way better than I can preach. I'm, and I'm not kidding you. They had an Adam problem. They just didn't do it. And all it takes is one time. It could really goof you up if you choose to go, man, I'm not going to do it. So here we are in the first week of our spiritual rhythms. And the first one is, is to have a rhythm of reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures. All with a heart where you say, I want to actually do the scriptures. That's what I want. And I think that's what you want too. Now, when no one's going to do it perfectly, I certainly don't. Trust me. I don't. But boy, I have a heart to want to, and I think you do, you do too. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had to be here. This has been really great. I've enjoyed it, Lord. I think of that song, Word of God Speak. And the crazy thing is, God, you have spoken. You left us your word. And may this be a group of people who walk out these doors, and may they be encouraged to actually do what the scriptures say. But you can only do them if you're reading them, all that stuff. So Lord, thanks for tonight. And um, may this song we're about to sing just be a great way to just kind of cap off the night. And I pray this in your name, amen.